If you hunt enough, you learn the truth. What you seek speaks a language and knows it well. That's why every Primo's call for everything you hunt is made the right way. We sweat every detail so you get more out of every hunt and nothing leaves our hand until we know it'll work in yours. Because we don't just make the world's best calls, we speak the language. Primo's. In every pair of Tecovis boots, you can expect handmade quality, first wear comfort, and timeless Western style. Tecovis boots are always made from premium bovine and exotic leathers, and with occasional resoling, they will last a lifetime. The best way to shop for boots is at your local Tecovis store, where you'll be greeted by the smell of fresh leather and a friendly smile. Come on in, grab a cold one, get fitted by a pro, and shop the latest styles. Visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S dot com. And don't go gently, y'all. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Full Scale Outdoors podcast. I'm Dale Luganbill, your host. Thank you for joining me. I uh, want to do a big thank you to everybody that's taken the time to rate and review this podcast. That means the world to me. It really uh, helps that whole algorithm out. I know you're constantly beat over the head with this from like every podcast that you listen to unless i mean except for joe rogan you know meat eater they don't they don't need the extra help but um still trying to get to uh that level yeah that that's gonna happen but you know how about a higher just a slightly higher echelon the next level up from farm league or whatever that might be uh but i need your help to do that so every time you guys rate and review this it really helps it because it, it suggests it to other people. You know, if they're listening to this podcast, and you might also like this podcast, um, and that's that's super huge. And if you guys could share, you know, suggest the videos or not videos, suggest the podcast on your social medias on Facebook and Instagram, that's really huge too. Uh, tag people that you think would know it because just the way kind of Facebook is is set up, it's really hard to like break into new networks. I mean, you just it. It pounds you over the head with with the same stuff like every day, which is you know why you say this. You see the same stuff in your feed every day. You know it's like that's just kind of how it works. So it's really hard to kind of break that wall. So if you guys could do that for me, that would definitely help me break that wall. And you're gonna reach more people. And the bigger this thing grows, the more guests we can get on. And you know, man, I'd love to get to the point. You know. Where not only am I reaching out to other people, but I'm having people like contact me, like, "Hey, man, I want to be on a show." You know, if I can get, you know, the big names, you know, let's just throw them out there. You know, Kevin Van Dam, Ike and Ellie, um, you know, whatever. And that's just the fishing ones, like you know, and you know this show. I mean, I do fishing and hunting and foraging. So any any of those guys, you know, um. Get uh the big the big deer hunters on. What if I get Uncle Ted on? Imagine if I get Ted Nugent on this show. How kick ass that would be. I don't even care what your opinion is of him. Like he is an entertainer. Like that would be a freaking riot. That would be awesome. And the only way we're gonna catch their attention is by growing this show. And I and I need your help. I need your help to do it. We can only do this as a collective. That's really the only way this is this is gonna go. So Keep doing that. Keep rating and review it. Keep sharing it as much as you can. And, uh, you know, we're going to get there someday. That's, you know, we're going to do it. So I appreciate those that have already done that. Thank you very much. I love it. Thank you guys for the kind words. I- I'm getting um, 
You know, I get messages from time to time, and I love it. You know, random stuff like, hey, what do you suggest for this, and what do you suggest for that? I love that stuff. So, you know, get a hold of me on, you know, Dale Luganville on uh, Snapchat, Full Scale Outdoors on Facebook, Full Scale underscore Outdoors on Instagram, um, any of that stuff. You know, like, however you can get a hold of me, get a hold of me. I I love the interaction. It's just it's awesome. You guys are awesome. So, you know, if there's somebody you know that you think would be a good guest for this show, let me know. And I'll reach out to them and, uh, we'll, you know, go that way too. Or if there's something you, a question you'd want me to answer or like on my weekend recap and rants, is there a certain, uh, issue in the, in the outdoor news that you would, you know, what's your take on this? You know, like, um, anything, literally, it can be anything, guys. It can be anything. So as we're in the fall hunting season, and this is a fishing podcast, this one I'm about to intro here, but we're in the fall, and fishing is obviously still going on, but I'm also running goose hunts this year. Um, so I have areas in east-central Minnesota. I have areas in the west metro. I have areas in the southwest part of the state in Jackson. So if you were interested in hunting in any one of those spots, um, I have I have guides. I have people lined up to take people out. So get a hold of me. You can call or text me at 612-209-5438, or you can send me a message on any one of those platforms I just told you about, and uh, we'll, we'll get you signed up. We'll get you booked. Um, one of the guys I got working for me, you probably just heard him on the podcast, is David Goose. He's a, a competition caller. He's a champion caller. So if you want to hunt with a really, really good caller, you know, this is your this is your opportunity. So get a hold of me. We're going to get you booked, and we'll get you out there, and you're going to have an awesome hunting experience. Also, I got coming up, let's see, will this drop before that? I think this will drop before that event happens. But September 26th at Wings North in Pine City, I'm doing a Field to Fork How to Cook Waterfall event. It's $40. Um, As I'm recording this, again, I can't promise that the spots are still going to be available when you hear this. But as I'm recording this, we have have some spots available. Um, So feel free to reach out and get signed up for that because if you're one of those people, that you know you love waterfall hunting but you're not crazy about eating them i'm telling you it's because you're just not doing it right and by not doing it right it's not complicated we're doing way too much to your to your waterfall you're you're screwing it up because you're you're trying too hard actually Um, less is more so I'm going to show you some things you can do that are super quick and easy, and it's going to blow your mind. And then I'm going to show you something that's a little more involved. Um, it's still really easy. It's just you're just waiting. It's a slow cook method. Um, but you know, if you don't know, you don't know, right? So I'm going to I'm going to show you that, and it's going to blow you away. And it's just going to make if you already were in love with waterfall hunting, and now I show you how to make bomb ass meal out of it. It's over for you. I mean, it's just going to be over for you. So that's going on September 26th at Wings North. Get a hold of me. Sign up for that class. Um, And, again, this is going to book up really fast. Chances are when you hear this, it's not going to be available. But the morning of that day, the morning of 26th, I'm running a hunt. And um, it's going to be a reduced rate. So basically, you're get you know if you sign up for the hunt, you're getting the class for free. Basically, is how it's going to shake out. So um, if you're interested in that, 
Again, give me a call at any of those social media platforms or call or text me, 612-209-5438, and we'll get you signed up. All right, also, beardstruggle.com. If you have a beard, you're thinking about growing a beard, you got to take care of your beard, and maybe you're already trying some Walmart brand beard products, I'm telling you there's a better alternative out there. Thebeardstruggle.com has awesome beard products. I love it. I use it. Like I literally legitimately like this stuff. The scents are great. You know, it's got the whole Viking kind of theme, which is, you know, somewhat badass. And they have everything you need. They got all the balms, the elixirs, the shampoo, conditioner, beard straightener, heat protection spray for the beard. Like they have it all, right? Like they have everything you need. So check out thebeardstruggle.com. If you find something you like on there, uh, at checkout, use code FULLSCALE15, and you're going to save yourself 15% off. You're going to help out the show. It's a win-win, right? All right. All right, everybody. Let's get into this conversation. So I completely poached this guest from uh, Doug Glimmerveen's SmackDown Outdoors podcast, unabashedly, uh, only because he... When he was talking to this gentleman, my name came up a couple times, and I felt like, wow, uh, I kind of have to reach out to this guy now because if I don't, it's kind of a dick move. So um, I did, and it's Kent Middlestat. He is a uh, bass tournament bass angler. He's fishing the opens with BASS. He was in the TOC with me here in Minnesota Bass Nation. He did much better than I did, which is not saying a whole lot, but he did. And uh, it was a great conversation. Um, I really enjoyed it. He was a really fun guy to talk to. I think there's some really good tidbits in here for people that are aspiring to be a tournament bass angler. Maybe you're already a bass angler. And I pretty much give away a million-dollar idea. So, you know, maybe have a notebook for this one. Just saying. You know, first person to it. It's all yours. Just give me credit. That's it. You don't have to give me money. I just want I just, I just want like some producer credit. So that's that. <laughs> all right. Let's do this. This is the Full Scale Outdoors podcast with Kent Middlestad. <laughs> oh, here we go, boys. that sound this is a good one well this is Kent hey Kent it's Dale with Full Scale Outdoors hey, hey Dale how's it going man? good how are you hey I'm doing good sounds awesome what'd you do today anything fun and exciting work well, a regular I, job that'd be shitty I work Worked a regular job, but I did get out fishing a little bit too, so it was, oh, it was good. Not a total loss then. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, they uh, the largemouth on the lake I stay on is uh, they are on fire right now. Really? So, that was fun. Yep. Sorry, I'm picking out sandburrs apparently that I had in my jeans and they're stuck Ooh. in my thumb. God damn, tis the season for those bastards too. Those are the worst. God, I hate them things. Man, I was helping a guy change a 
wheel bearing up at state and uh he managed to park right in some sand burrs oh no <laughs> <laughs> it was bad enough working on a wheel bearing uh that happened to one of our uh members in our club in in uh, loon state jim was on our way up and we were fishing borden and uh his bearing went out so he didn't make it like well he made it he f- ended up like fishing half the day and uh apparently he only needs four hours to kick our ass so because well, he, he ended up winning so it's like you son of a bitch gave us a head start and we still couldn't get you <laughs> wow do you fish in a club or yeah i fish in viking oh you, okay yep so we're we're uh most known for our fall tournament that we have on lake minnetonka so we host the viking invitational every year and it gets like 80 boats each nice. each year and it's kind of our fundraiser. Yeah. I so saw I did a, of course I was doing a little homework on you, did a little Facebook stalking. Uh that's kind of your home town, home lake, isn't it? Uh it is, but now uh, I moved out to Painesville, so, I, so oh, okay. I'm staying on Coronas Lake. Gotcha. Yeah. Cuz cuz smallmouths. Yeah, cuz smallmouths, exactly. <laughs> cuz brown bass, that's why. Yep, that's why. Was that where yep. you were fishing today? Yeah. Yep. Nice, nice. And were you chasing the brownies or the greens? No, actually, I'm trying to get warmed up for Sam Rayburn, so I was chasing largemouth. Sam yeah. Rayburn, what is that? Uh, Lake down in Texas, it's where the next Bassmaster Open is. So When I'm when is that, I should say? Oh, uh, I'm heading down there on Monday. The tournament starts, I should know this. Tournament starts the 6th, like that. It's coming up. You're heading down Monday. So you're fishing. How many opens do you fish a year? I'm doing all eight of them this year. Last year I did only the Eastern, which is four. And this year I'm doing the Central and the Eastern, so all eight. That's awesome, dude. Yeah. Yeah, it's Uh, a lot. I saw, uh, again, on my Facebook, I think it was, you know, I should have looked at the date. Um, But when this, didn't you finish top 20? On one of the events? Yeah, the first. That up? No, you're right. The first one this year, uh, I was top 20 on Lake Tahoe. Um, and then uh, we've only had two so far. It's oh, crazy. Okay. It's September and we've only had two. But the second one, I was uh, middle of the pack, I guess I'd call right it. Right on. 80 something. Yeah. So not what we were looking for, but good enough to get some good points. So I'm sitting well, sitting pretty good uh, after two events. Just got to keep it going. Yeah, for sure. So um, refresh. I, mean, I need. I don't know why I don't ever have a notepad when I do these things because my short-term memory is garbage. But uh, how <laughs> many did. events? Did you say eight? Eight, yeah. Eight events, okay. All right, yep. Not that bad. So, yeah, you got six more to go. Well, yeah, hopefully yeah. the next one's Rayburn. What's, yep. So what's on the list? Rayburn? And then Rayburn, then the Harwell, uh, then to, I uh, forget which one comes first, uh, Cherokee Lake, and then um, Neely Henry. So Cherokee's the one in Tennessee with smallmouth in it. I'm super excited for that one. Ooh. And then uh, Neely Henry, which is like spotted bass tournament. And then um, I think it's Louisville Lake after that down in Dallas. And then back up to Alabama to Lay Lake, which is spots and largemouth. So right on, big variety. Yeah, for sure. That's cool though. Get to keep it. I mean, you want uh, to be an all around. You know, I mean, the league or the 
tournament trail, as you know, should be a test of overall skill. So that's definitely yeah. that definitely yep, spreads absolutely. it out. Yep. Yeah, that's why I'm doing it is to experience all these new fisheries and different ways to fish and all that. So that would be yeah. that would be tons of fun. Yeah. And you fished our uh Minnesota Bass Nation TOC, correct? I did, yep. How'd you do there? Uh well, so my place was bad. My okay. placing hey. was bad. But it wasn't as bad as mine, I fucking promise you that. <laughs> Honestly, in my mind, <laughs> Like this was the closest I've been to winning the tournament, um, besides the time that I did win it. Like really? I was I was on giant fish and all I needed was three more bites and I would have won. All I needed was two more bites and I would have made top ten. One more bite it uh, wouldn't have mattered because uh, whatever between eleventh and a hundredth, it doesn't really matter where you finish. Right, exactly. I mean, so um but yeah i mean it was a big risk really swung for the fences with smallmouth but every okay. single one of them i caught was like three seven uh four oh, yeah. actually I, I weighed in a 495 on yeah. day two nice. third third biggest bass of the tournament so i was on some hogs for sure but uh couldn't get enough bites but. well that that was kind of the that's kind of what we found too. It's like if you target those smallmouths, like you're you're going for just a few bites. Like you're not, you know, yeah. you're probably not going to be culling. You just want to get to your five, and you'll be sitting pretty. Yeah, and I was I was determined to do it just because like I'm super confident with smallmouth. And on day one, my partner that I was with, I actually got stuck with another boater. Oh, um, we can we can, t- we can talk about that. Yeah. Yeah, ended up catching four smallmouth, and even if I would have just gotten four each day, like I could have won the tournament with right. eight fish with the size. You know what yeah. I mean? Um, so I I don't know. It was kind of ballsier than I normally am, but uh, it well, felt it good almost to worked. I mean, you're, yeah, yeah, you're a couple bites away from being a hero. You know, I mean, like it's yeah, that that's the risk you run, right? Like you you yep. you make your plan and and you go for it so and, mine was a little bit and different furthermore, like my largemouth practice i i tried for him it was horrible like uh, maybe 12 a day was about as good as i could possibly Dude, do and so that was ha- i would have been so happy with 12 right and, <laughs> and that was that was with the sun shining too like, right and, and i always like i thought each day that it was going to come out and i could i could go at least a few largemouth had in my bags but Sun never came out, and I don't know. I didn't have any confidence swimming anything. It was like the only pattern I found for largemouth was flipping or throwing a drop shot off the weed lines. And with those conditions, it just, I don't know, it didn't seem right. It was tough, and the two, and the two days were different. I mean, so yeah. for me, you know, I, I really went into this one. I, I Like, I really wanted to take this one serious. And uh, not that I haven't, you know, taken the other one serious, but, like, all my free time. Like, I went up there a few times and pre-fished the lake. And then, unfortunately, I wasn't able to um, get much practice in right before because it's just that weekend happens to be my wife's birthday weekend. So, you know, you got to make your concessions. Oh, yeah. Um, So I only had Monday. By the time I got up there and then got on the lake and then my motor went down, the oil tank 
the side one on the I have a yep. Optimax. That thing mm-hmm. was uh, beeping at me, and then would it put me in uh, guardian mode? So that was, there that's that. So I was like, well, I better work my way back to the landing while I still got daylight. So right. I I literally got like an hour of practice. But before that, I had been putting together a decent largemouth pattern, and when our club fished it, I took first the first day with I had 15 and change, yeah, you know, like a four and a half pound big bass, and then right. the second day I didn't end up winning. I think I came like fourth or fifth, um, but the pattern was kind of still holding. It was just a little bit of a tougher day. It wasn't I mean the wind was. Brutal, actually. <laughs> I actually ate two big giant waves. <laughs> it was bad. Yeah. It was brutal. Like the wind was coming out of like the just perfect direction coming right down lower whitefish and all oh. day. You know, and on, on weather app it said like ten to fifteen. Pfft, yeah, right. Whatever, dude. That's like easily twenty plus with gusting to thirty. Like these were legit oh, rollers, yeah. like like ocean swells. Right. Um, it was bad. That was the first time I've ever taken waves like that. That sucks. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's not much fun. Uh, good news is the bilge pump works. So, I mean. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Give that you know, a good workout. There's your silver lining. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, so that didn't, that just didn't pan out for me. And uh, I didn't really have much time to, like, scout or pre-fish the lower smaller lake so i didn't really have much down there and that's about the only place you could fish that day because of the wind oh. and so that kind of bit me in the ass and that's kind of where i was gonna spend some time because i had such little experience down there when i if i could have practiced but then guardian mode kicked in and i wasn't able to get down in there so that shot that so fast forward yeah. to to the uh well the day before the event so I fix. I'm I able to fix my boat. They actually had that oil tank that I needed uh, for an 06 Optimax right there. I think it's Bertha Boatworks, and uh, right wow. there, right there in the lake. Yeah, I know. Super lucky. It's just. I mean, it's money. I mean, they don't give those things away. But hey, whatever. You know, yeah. better than not having a boat. So I actually put it together, and I'm on a lake by my cabin, which is kind of my pillager. And uh, just testing it out, make sure everything works and everything's working. And then still hadn't found out who, like, my co-angler was. And I'm like, are they ever going to text us this stuff? And then I finally get it. And so I get my numbers, my guy's names and my guy's numbers, you know, registered as a boat or whatever. And then so I call him, and lo and behold, he's also a registered boater. Now, up to this point, and so this is kind of on me. Like, I didn't realize that, that that was even, like, a risk. So, you know, oh, I didn't yeah. really. So I was like, well, what does that mean? And he's like, well, we've got to kind of figure out whose boat we're going to use. And I was like, oh. So we just started comparing. You know, we each have older boats. And, you know, my outboard is bigger. His um, trolling motor was better. You know, electronics are pretty equal. So I was like, well, you know, it came, it came down to a coin flip, basically. And uh, he was driving, and I was in the boat, so I, I didn't have a coin. I had nothing on me. I used, like, a, a spool line, and I fl- just closed my I rolled it around my hands, after my eyes closed, and I flipped it up, and he won the toss. So I was like, well, oh, no. I guess we're using your boat. <laughs> it's like, uh, it's like, I'm like, oh, God, crap. So, all right, so all, everything I've scouted and everything my, that is pretty much out the window, uh, I also don't have, like, a 
traveling tackle system. Everything is organized in my boat. So like right. dumped all the clothes out of my duffel bag. And I'm like, this is going to have to be my tackle box, I guess. And so now you're trying to, you know, <laughs> pick and choose what you're going to bring. And, oh God, it was just, you know, right. it was tough. And then, you know, I try to adapt as best you can on, on his boat. And I was actually able to get my five. There weren't, impressive by any stretch of the imagination i think it had just like under eight pounds or something it was terrible uh, but at least had five he only had two and then yeah uh, second day i was a, did you go to your stuff and run the front I, and everything or? well we we split it for four you know and it's like yeah. we're supposed to split it and i'm like well the only real fair way to do that is just you get four and i get four so i said you just take the first four and then I'll take yeah. the, the last four. And we were going to make a run to my spots, which all my spots were on, like, upper and lower. They're on the main lakes. Mm-hmm. At least mm-hmm. that's where the, I found the better fish anyways. So I was going to – we were at a point. I was going to go up through the channel. We were going to do that. And then we both kind of were – you know, at that point, we didn't have um, much in the boat. It wasn't much to show for our effort. And I was like, you know, we haven't really tried is – some deep weeds and there's some spots just right around the corner let's go should we check those out like we're right here yeah screw it let's go do that so we did that that didn't really pan out for anything then we saw kind of a cool little shallow bay that caught both of our eyes and we both agreed to go in there so we we burned up a solid hour in there caught zero fish and then uh by then it was like well now there's just not enough time to make the run so it didn't end up getting to any any of my spots Sure. So then, you know, went back and checked some other spots, and I was able to fill my bag in some some other spots. But you know, then this now you're in a hole. You know, now it's like it's like I would need 17 pounds, not 18 pounds, to be competitive. You know, to have a shot. Because in my mind, I was thinking, you know, if you could have averaged 14 pounds a day, you're going to be in it. You'll make the you'll make the team. Which I think that's basically how it would have worked out. What was the winning weight? Yeah, it was 31-something, I think, and I think you're right. I think it was right at 13 a day, 13 and a half. Yeah, so that was, yeah, that was yeah. kind of what I was guessing. So I was like, well, if you could do that. So I'm like, all right, well, with eight, I'm going to need, you know, I need to make up some ground. And I'm like, that's such a long shot. But I'm like, well, it's not possible because somebody had 17 pounds that first day, didn't they? Yeah, I remember right? me that was you, you no it was the guy that was with me oh the guy that was with, that was a co-angler well i mean well, you got four out i mean it was he was a boater but yeah yeah i got you he's in my boat oh know? my god that's crazy yeah so yeah so anyways it was a possibility long shot but possible so i was like well i just gotta go with the best plan we can well lo and behold you know total weather you know we had storms that night southeast wind i feel like there was a lot more east to that wind than south and so none of my spots like i said when you were doing it the sun was shining well the sun was not shining right day and the wind was out of a direction that i had not fished that lake uh so i we hit my spots but the first time you know i was kind of doing milk runs and checking my spots every time i went up there and they were always holding fish and they were always holding quality fish and of course, <laughs> the day I need them to be there, zilch, nothing, nada. So mm. back to the drawing board. Yeah, we struggled. I think I brought two fish to the 
to the scales the second day, and uh, he and my co-angler caught nothing. So it was, I call shitting the bed. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was not good. It was not good. Yeah. It happens, man. It's it's a bummer because this is like the biggest event that we have for the nation guys, like the the weekenders and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and it's just one. So if you if you biff like you and I did, then you have to wait until next year for another shot. It's it's not like that in every state. Yeah, it was brutal. Like it really hit me hard. Like because uh, I just you know I thought I really had a good pattern going all my you know, pre-fishing and, you know, I did well in the club and I was like, all right, like I actually feel like I have a shot at making the state team. And I've only been tournament bass fishing for three years. So I have to keep that in mind, you know, like, (laughs) like try to stay grounded here. You know, I'm no Kevin Van Dam by any stretch of the imagination. So, but still it's like, all right, well, I got something going, you know, I'm like, sweet. I could, yeah, I might be able to do this, you know? Uh, yeah, no didn't happen that way so i kind of relegated myself to and people that listen to this podcast are already gonna they've already heard me talk about this but so it's like okay i gotta wait till next year just like you said it's it's kind of a one and done for us i was like well what can i do now it's like well with that you know getting paired with another boater which i didn't know that that was a thing because there's just you know there's not enough um non-boaters and that's just there's more boaters and non-boaters that are registered and and the only way to be a guaranteed boater is to finish well in your club so i was like Mm -hmm. well then i need to take my club events more serious yeah and we have two more events so and i'm not sitting bad i've won one this year um i definitely already have my throwaway one at least i hope so the first (laughs) one the first one was not good um but uh didn't too bad on the other ones. You know, I'm kind of right there. And then I won one. So if I can win. So Jim, the one that beat us with only four hours on board, and he's won two this season. So if I can if I can win another one, that'll at least be put in contention. And then if I can even score, you know, like in the top three, I should have a legit chance of, of finishing pretty high. And then, yeah. then hopefully being a guaranteed bowler next year. And at least I can – scratch that scenario off the list you know? yeah yeah and next year where it's down in like wabasha isn't it yep i have yep. zero experience down there so i'm gonna have to really spend some of my free time whatever that's called or yeah. whatever that is and uh drive down there and start getting familiar with it so yeah i haven't yeah, done much sure. of that river fishing at all really not the mississippi stuff you know I haven't done a ton either. Um, I wish I would have done more uh, as I was kind of progressing because that, like that type of fishing, plays other places around the country. Sure, our nat- our natural lake stuff that we do doesn't really play except in Florida and like New York and stuff. So right, um, I've seen guys like Bob Downey, who's a Bass Nation guy, who's now in the Elite Series. Uh, grew up fishing the river and um, was totally dedicated out there and he's he's doing really well and I think a lot of that is he's comfortable and familiar and understands current and there's current like most places we go around the country and uh, 
Yeah, I, I think that's a really, really valuable thing to learn. It seems like most of the lakes that they do in BASS, especially in the south, they're all reservoir lakes. You know, so yeah, mm-hmm. there's current for sure. You know, right. you yep. know, some days there's more if the Corps of Engineers decide to open the turbines or for you know for whatever reason. Then so you have yep. to you know, and then if you get out on like some of those brackish water spots, they get now you got to deal with tides. Like right, yeah, that is a trip. <laughs> talk about a total different thing for Minnesota anglers. Fortunately for me, I have experience fishing saltwater, so I understand tides. Like a fish, sure, I, sure. I, I my brother lives in South Carolina, so I get down there when I can, okay. which is like usually once a year. Would love it to be twice or more, but um, we fish redfish down there, which you know kind of fish like bass a little bit, mm-hmm. and so I I have at least an understanding of how tides work. And that that's an important thing. I mean, that's super oh, yeah. huge on those bodies of water. You know, fish in the St. Lawrence and shit like that. But, right. you know, most guys in Minnesota, like, you plop them on a tidal waterway and they'd be, they they don't know what to do. They don't think, oh, was, what do you mean, tides? What, what, what are you talking about? <laughs> it's like, yeah, you're going to have to look at your tide chart. <laughs> right. <laughs> Where do I even find that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, I was I was totally spun out when we went to the James River. That's a tidal body, and it's crazy. Like, you know, you you finally get a feel for the current, and it's going one direction, and then it <laughs> drops and starts going the other switches. direction. <laughs> it switches, and when it goes, it goes. Like, oh, yeah. it, it like yep. it, it don't fuck around. Like when it when it moves, it moves like mm-hmm. a lot. Yeah, right. Yeah, and if you're not prepared for it. And so, yeah, you have to like predict, you got to look at your charts and like, well, I need to, I need to go position. We need to make a run. My spots are over here, but they're, they're incoming spots or they're outgoing spots, you know? Right. And yeah. so you have to really kind of plan your day out Yeah. accordingly. I, I, had, I had a clipboard with a schedule on it when I fished there and Smart. I like, had to keep referencing that and, oh yeah. Okay. So I want to catch this because there's like a certain time of the tide that you want to catch and i don't know right. if it's always the same but it seemed like the low outgoing was kind of the deal when we were there and so you, so you try and figure out okay when's it going to be at that portion of the tide right <laughs> and, when I'm, and i'm sure and i've never bass fished um mm-hmm. in a title so i've never like targeted bass i've accidentally caught them in you know, some brackish waters like down in Louisiana fishing for redfish. And it's like, holy shit, I just caught a largemouth. I was not expecting that. <laughs> You're like, wow, I thought we were ocean fishing here. Um, yeah. So that always kind of trips me out. But so I'm sure they're different. They're not redfish. So, but with the reds, I do know like, you know, incoming tide, they're going to start pushing. You know, they're going to like, they're, they're waiting. They want to get into those grass flats to feed on crabs and everything else, which I don't think the bass are doing, obviously. Right. Um, so it would be different, but how the tides, like where you fish on each tide is definitely different. The water acts right. different, different bait fish thing is going on. Um, it's yeah, it's just, it's, that's a totally alien thing for most Minnesotans. You know, they, oh, have, to, yeah. they have to go do that. Like, yeah. Wrap your mind around that. But yeah, that's cool. How long have you been uh, tournament fishing? Um, I've been doing it probably close to 15 years. Um, yeah, I started with Viking a long time ago. Um, I was, uh, I think I was like, I was in high school 
and a friend of mine from church, um, his name is Mark Gomez. I don't know if you know who he is, but he's, he's in the, he's in the Bass Nation and he was in this club Viking and he said, he knew I liked fishing and stuff. And he's like, Hey, can't you come join Viking Bassmasters? And I was in high school and played sports and had a bunch of other things going on. I was like, yeah, I don't think so. You know, I just kind of pushed it off. And then a few years later, he's like, yeah, I still like fishing. I, I think you should come <laughs> check this out. It's pretty fun. And, um, so I was 19 when I joined and yeah, it was, uh, it was awesome. I, like I said, I always played sports. And so I had that kind of competitive aspect to me and I loved fishing and it was just like a perfect way to combine the two of them. God, I needed a guy like that in my life. Uh, I mean, I just, if I'd have known, if I'd have even, and I've said this a million times too, if I'd have known there was like a non-boater option, I would have joined so long ago. Yeah. And so I'm so like, when I think about that, hindsight is twenty twenty, and all that, like I'm just, I get so frustrated by how much knowledge I've left on the table. Like years, decades of stuff I could have been learning that right. I just didn't do because I didn't get into tournament bass fishing until I was able to get a decent boat, you know. And by decent boat, I mean my 2003 Ranger, you know. Like just definitely not new by any stretch of the imagination. And it's like as soon as I got that boat, I started looking at, you know, these clubs and got into Loon State and – which I love it. I, I, li- I literally, I love our club. Our club is just, they're the coolest people. Super nice fishing with them. We share information um, really well. It's just a lot of fun. But, God, if I'd have known. You know, it's just like, yeah, are you right? kidding me? I remember, I mean, I'm old. I'm 47. So growing up, I went to school in Rosemount. And I remember there, like, Rosemount had a high school fishing team, and I got super excited. I was like, what? You have a fishing team? Well, it was for the faculty. I was oh. like, ah, <laughs> damn it, because I wasn't into sports. I mean, I'm a very competitive person, but back then I was like, I mean, I'm, I'm tall now. I'm 6'4", so it's was like, if I knew I was going to be that, maybe I went into basketball or I would have done something, but – I wanted to do football. I felt I was too scrawny for football, which, you know, turns out I should have just done it, but whatever. I didn't. But long story short, I didn't do sports. So, yeah. But I fished all the time, like all the time. But without yeah. that tournament aspect of it, you never really hone the blade. You know what I mean? Like you just you, – you read articles and you watch some fishing shows and you try some new stuff, but it's like – you don't really grow that much as an angler just fishing for fun, you know. And in you know, you're, I'm using a bobber and bait, and sure, I'll throw a spinner bait from time to time. And you know, I remember the first time I threw a spinner bait, we were up on Pelican Lake in uh, Or Minnesota, fishing out the dock at this resort, and I'm throwing the spinner bait for bass because I've been watching TV and that's what they use, right? Yeah. Boom! This fish hits it. It feels like a big fish. I'm like, oh, this is a big bass. This be like the biggest bass I've ever caught. I reel it up and it's a stupid pike. And so in my my, my young twelve year old mind or however old I was, I was like, what the heck? 
Like this is a bass lure. Like what you know, of course now I know I know like if you want to catch pike you should throw a spinner bait. Like, right. like they chew those things up. And I remember yeah. like running up to my brother going, Dude, I just caught a northern on a spinner bait and he's like, Yeah. <laughs> That's this is not news. Like you, you know right. what I mean? It's like, well, they weren't catching pike on them on TV. Like this is a bass bait, so someone needs to explain <laughs> some shit to me. Uh, yeah. yeah, so it was crazy, but it, that that's kind of my point though. It's like you kind of have that real basic knowledge of fishing, and even though I fished all the time, there was nothing driving me to really be better or try different techniques, or you know, it was just you pick up it's lower, you know. Yeah, just from I, where I I've that. only done it for three years, like I said, but where I am today from where I was three years ago, it's like vastly different. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yep, I hear you. Even uh, even when I'm out fun fishing right now, I, I feel like I don't have it turned on more than like fifty percent compared to right tournament mode. You know? Yep, like, absolutely. You're just like, ah, eh, catch fish, I catch fish, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Just, and I'm kind of that way too. It's like, it you know, it hasn't really taken off, but I do offer guided trips, and um, like if I don't have a client or I'm not fishing with a buddy, or I'm not pre-fishing for an event, for a tournament. Like, it's just me. I got a random, lazy Sunday. I got nothing, you know, there's nothing pressing. Nobody else is available to fish with, and it's just me. I've actually found I have a really hard time getting the initiative to just go. Like, I need something bigger than myself to get me to go fishing. Hmm. I don't know, it's kind of a weird thing, because it's like, you think I would just like it. And I do, because I usually end up making myself go. And then once I get on the water, I feel pretty good, you know, and I'm, and I'm fishing, but I love teaching people. Yeah. And even fishing with a buddy, like that's something different. And then I definitely like pre-fishing and practicing and then actually fishing tournaments. Like I love that, but the highs and lows of that, like when I do shitty, Oh man, are the lows low. (laughs) I mean, you just, Oh my God. It's, I don't know, are, are you that hard on yourself, or am I just being too hard on myself? Like, I, I, I start questioning if I should even be in tournaments. <laughs> like, I should sell all my stuff, take up golf. Like, that's where I was after the TOC. Like, I did bad. I think I was in, like, the, I was in, like, the bottom, I was in the bottom 10 for sure, if not the bottom five for boaters. Like, it was not good. It was not good. Yeah. And so, yeah, yeah. I was really questioning my life choices at that point. Yeah, I I know what you mean. Um, I've definitely been there in the past. I try not to let those lows get so low because in this game they happen so often that like if if that happens to you every time, like it it'll just wear on you too much. So you got to stay positive and like it didn't matter. It was just one tournament. You know, it it's not like that's gonna affect your career stats or anything. It doesn't matter. You know, it's just one tournament. It's over. You do better next time. You know, and um, yeah, you just gotta put it behind you. You gotta be resilient in this sport, otherwise those things will just wear you to death for sure. Oh yeah, I and you have to like, you have to remember who you're fishing against too. You know, it's like oh, yeah. you're, you're not these aren't your run-of-the-mill average weekend warriors like they're right. they all think they got a shot too you know <laughs> you know like they wouldn't yeah. be fishing it otherwise so right. um and they probably do have a shot i mean it's it's 
yeah, it's an, an upper echelon kind of a thing. But, you know, I'd had oh, – I got to call him too. You know, I had Pekacek on. Do you know you know him, Paycheck? Yeah. Yep. Dave used to be in the Viking in, in the same club as me, so I yeah. know Dave well. Before yep. he moved on down to Floridia. Yeah. Um, yeah, I had him on, and so it was interesting talking to him when he started getting into the opens and stuff like that, and it's like that would be so much fun. Oh, yeah. But one of the main hurdles is just bluntly money, right? Mm -hmm. Like to have the time and money available to put in the time you need to do to practice and pre-fish in these waters that are nowhere near Minnesota usually. Yeah. Um, You know, so that's a a big thing, you know. Yeah. Yeah. and, it, you know, everybody's in kind of a different thing. Like, when did you kind of make that jump and, you know, start thinking, I really want to pursue this. I'm going to get in some of these opens and see where it goes. And how did you make that transition? Yeah, so it was um, it was three years ago. And um, I, I just I, – I always was – pushing myself to try and do better and be more competitive in bass tournaments and stuff. And I kind of saw this opportunity to do the opens as a co-angler and thought that would be a really good learning experience for me. And, um, I, I just want to experience fishing around the nation more and, uh, try and learn from some of the best. Those were like the, the biggest incentives I thought. And, and also I, I had that thought of, yeah, I'd like to fish as a boater someday in the opens. And I just kind of want to get my feet wet for one year, at least maybe two, I guess, depending on how I did and see what it, see what it's like to fish in a 200 boat tournament and see what it's like to fish around these guys that are, um, you know, true professionals. And so I did it as a co-angler uh, the first year, and it was an awesome experience. It, well, you know, you talk about learning and all that. Like those four tournaments, I learned so much. I, God, I, I think I learned. I think I learned more about bass fishing in those four tournaments than I had in my previous ten years fishing tournaments. You know, like it was crazy, so good. And then um, I had one top ten. Uh, on Lake Champlain and that gave me a boost of confidence and then right after that I won the state tournament Um, so between having a good event on the opens as a co-angler and then doing well locally and I'd had some other success regionally too it just it all kind of felt like it was the right time to jump into the opens as a boater so I did that last year and um, last year was just the Easterns, like I said, and then um, had one good event, a uh, couple of mediocre ones, and one bad event last year. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, I mean, I just wanted more and um, work things out with work to where I can work remote. Uh, oh, nice. During the tournaments and stuff. So I'm able to um, hold up my normal day job and uh obviously have to take some time off for the tournaments too but um i've been with the company that i worked for for a long time so i get a lot of vacation time too so very nice 
yeah it all kind of works out um but yeah that's that's sort of the open story i guess yeah that it's definitely a balancing act with you know for a lot of people with work and time off and you know i'm sure the home life and family are you married i'm married yep no so that's that's a whole nother you know yeah juggling act you know, yeah, sure she wants to go on vacation so, so not all of your vacation time can be spent on yeah exactly chasing these opens um, right what do you, you know what i thing i want to ask you when i get your um opinion on so i actually have like not much experience being a co-angler because when i like i said i didn't even get into tournaments until i had a boat so i mean i fished as a co a couple times and my boat was broke down uh, was it last year or two years ago? Last year? Whatever it was. Anyways, I had to fish as a co a couple times, and I did enjoy it because you're like, wow, I get to watch somebody else, you know, how somebody else breaks down a lake and their techniques and what they, you know, like there's a lot of information to be gathered there. So for somebody who's, you know, going to be fishing as a co with some of these pros, like what advice would you give somebody that finds themselves or – purposely wants to go out and be a co-angler like how do you approach that you know because obviously you're not getting to choose where you go or what you're gonna you know just you're gonna fish shallow you're gonna fish deep or you know so like how do you prepare for that yeah you're right it's it's a completely different game and you kind of have to decide i think um before you go into the event like is this an event that I'm confident enough in that I'm going to do my own thing in the back or is this an event where I'm on a completely foreign body of water and I just want to learn as much as I possibly can. Um, like I think it's so hard to be competitive as a co-angler. There's very few people that can do it. And normally the guys that you see that do well, uh, are guys that, have experience on the bodies of water that they're going on. And so they've already been there and they, they kind of already know the drill a little bit. Um, but if you're going somewhere brand new and you're, I, I think the best attitude to go with is it doesn't really matter how I do in the tournament. The, my success is going to be measured based on how much I learn. Yeah. I could see that. Yeah. That I feel like that'd be my attitude because you are, you know, you're not in control. You know, you kind of right. just got to take what's given to you. I mean, if you're on a lake that just, like, it's a dock bite, you know? Yeah. Like, well, you're kind of screwed. Like, yeah. you're, you're never going to get the first pitch to a dock. I mean, right. you know. So in that kind of a situation, how would you deal with it? Like, in my mind, I feel like, okay, well, he's probably going to be pitching a jig. I'll probably follow up with just, like, a weightless Senko, you know, something that's a little more – something they're probably not seeing or something that's a little more finesse, you know, and in case there was a fish there that didn't want to eat the jig, maybe he'll eat this presentation as, you know, the boat goes by or I get my shot at it. Like, yeah, a hundred percent. Definitely, definitely don't want to do the same exact thing that your boater is doing unless you're offshore. And even in that situation, you might still want to try and do something a little bit different, give them a different presentation that they haven't seen yet. Because if you're, if you're pitching a jig behind somebody else, that's pitching a jig at the same exact targets. Like you're, you're discrediting their skill. You know what I mean? Right. And especially at the opens level, like those guys are all hammers. Like they're going to catch 
whatever is whatever's you know, there yeah more there. Than likely you know what i mean so um so so it's that and then a lot of times it's like casting out on the other side of the boat so if you're if your boater is pitching docks and there happens to be uh inside weed line that you can cast a swim jig to like fish for those fish don't try and fish for those same fish that your boater is going after so and Sure. I actually took my, my uh, co-angler on my second day. That's kind of what he did the day before. Yeah. Um, the guy was fishing docks. And uh, so he was just, he started pitching. I can't remember what he said he was using. Um, but he was just hitting pockets in these shallow weed beds, you know. But then there yeah. was a little bare spot, and he was pitching there, and he started catching fish. And then apparently his boater was like oh that's where they're at and so then he like positioned the boat and then he was starting to fish those first he's like ah well damn it it was working for a little bit but now he's getting the first shot at all these pockets yeah so what are you gonna do you know that's yep part of the game when you're co that's (laughs) you know like what are you yeah that's just how it is um have you like this is always kind of a touchy subject but um do you have some sponsors helping you along the way? I do, yeah. I mean, go ahead and pimp them out and give them some airtime. <laughs> yeah, there's no way I could do all this without them. So, yeah, huge shout-out to Arsenal Fishing. Uh, they're a Minnesota tackle company. We've got soft plastics and tungsten weights are kind of our, our biggest players. And then we also um, are sort of well-known for the Nico rig pliers that we've got. So it's a, a pliers tool that you can put um, Nico band onto a, a like worm. A wacky band. Like a wacky band, yeah. yep. But you put it on with pliers so it goes on real nice. Um, it, so yeah, Ars- Arsenal has been with me for several years. Huge shout out to them. And then uh, Hannay's Marine and Basscat Boats uh, are my other big sponsor. And um, those Hannes Marine guys have been awesome. They're like family. Like any, anytime I need anything with the boat, like they're always helping me out and nice. um, great, great guys to work with. And, uh, they're, we, we just got bass cat boats in the uh, cities. So they're like the only twin cities dealers, uh, for bass cat boats. And, um, yeah, just a really good company to work with and been blessed for sure to be with all the brands that I've got. Yeah, I've been t- uh, talking to um, Dan Fabiano, um, trying to get him on, but it's just it's just been a scheduling nightmare. Uh, he's busy. <laughs> that, that, he's, that is a busy, he's a busy, man. busy man. Yep. And uh, he showed out pretty well, didn't yeah. he? Yeah. For at the TOC, yeah, yeah. the first yeah. day he did well. How did he finish? I think he was just shy, like thirteenth or something. Just missed it. God. Yeah, he was he was way up there. Yep, he had a good tournament. I remember he yeah. had a decent first day. I remember that. He just as it so happened, he was like the next boat to me waiting at the docks to you know whatever the first day. Yeah, um, which is the first time I actually met him face to face. But and I, this is a good time to kind of give. A shout out like I got a hold of you because I was listening to Doug Glimmerveen's podcast, SmackDown Outdoors podcast, and he had you on. Yeah. So I'm totally poaching one of his guests, which is pretty typical <laughs> between us. But my name kept being brought up, and I'm like, all right, well now I gotta call him. Like <laughs> now I feel like if I don't, I'll be a dick. You know, <laughs> it's like let's get him on. Well, I'm always looking for guests, anyways. So you know, I'll have, well, I'll have pretty much any everybody and anybody on. But 
Yeah, so thanks to you for, you know, taking some time and being on here. That's that's great. Yeah, absolutely. My pleasure. If there's um what kind of advice would you have to give to, you know, I was going to say young people, but I'll say anybody cuz I got into it late in the game. It's like what kind of advice would you give people just like that are toying with the idea of getting into tournament fishing? Um so somebody somebody that fishes a lot already and but hasn't fished in a tournament yet is that is that the scenario yeah yeah i would say if you're if you're a competitive type if you like competition whether it's like playing cards or sports or whatever you know like if you like competition and you like fishing like definitely give a tournament a try um and I'd say my biggest advice for somebody that's just getting started uh, fishing tournaments is fish with as many people as you can. And a great way to do that is um, to join a bass club. And you can you can fish as a co-angler, like you talked about before, that you didn't even know that existed. You know, you can, you can go in, you don't need a boat. You can fish as a co-angler, fish with a bunch of different people learn a bunch of different styles to fish because we all have our own techniques and we all have our own little secrets and we all have our own strengths and weaknesses too. I was going to say, we all have our ruts, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's, that, that would be the thing is like, try it out, you know, fish, fish with as many people as you can and try and learn as much as you possibly can. I think for me, one of the things, um, so people, this is more of advice for somebody that's in it and, and not that I'm an expert. Cause again, I've only been doing it for three years, but something that I've an awareness that I have kind of had is, um, you know, make it a point to really recognize your weaknesses. Like if you know what your strengths are, they're already your strengths, right? Don't, don't lean on those. I mean, don't forsake them. You know, you still gotta, like I said, you know sharpen that blade but um if there's a certain technique whether that be you know drop shotting or uh, uh, nico rig or you know whatever it might be crankbaits maybe you hardly ever you know do deep cranking over a weed flat or something like i think that's where like being a co-angler can really really pay off because you're going to be exposed to some other techniques and you're probably going to see them done at a at a relatively successful level otherwise that person wouldn't be doing it and mm-hmm. i think that's the hard part when you're left to your own vices like if you just go out by yourself solo and you're like i'm gonna try this new technique you have zero confidence in it it's going to be super hard to stick with it because more than likely it's not going to be successful unless you just get lucky you know because you're not going to be doing it right and then you're going to give up on it you're going to go back to your own mainstays but if you fish as a co you know, when somebody else is deep cranking, you're kind of forced to do it. And plus, if you see them catching fish, you're like, okay, the fish are there. I just mm-hmm. need, I'm not doing something right. I'm reeling too fast. I'm reeling too slow. I'm not using, my crankbait's not deep enough. It's not this. It's not that. You know, so you, right. you kind of start getting immersed in whatever those techniques are. And to the point that even though I'm a boater, I'm half tempted to take two events a season and just sign up as a co just to make sure I'm not leaving information on the table. You know what I mean? Like, Oh yeah, for sure. Um, I, I, 
you know, we got some really good sticks in our club, and it's a, it's a smaller club, but it's still, it's like, you know, when you go out and you, you, you do your best and you come into the, you know, you always know somebody's coming in with a bag, and then somebody comes in and it's always the same guys that have a decent bag, and you're like, what are they doing that I'm not doing? Like, right. they're... There are there is stuff I need to learn, you know. Like right. I gotta gotta keep learning, and you definitely can't let your ego get in the way, you know. And I don't care how much of a better fisherman you are than your buddy, you know, on the weekends that who you fished with since high school or whatever. Like tournaments are a different deal, you know what right. I mean? Like, right. And that's kind of what happened to me. Like the very first year I joined a club, you know, went into it like, well, I'm a pretty good fisherman, you know. I blow all my buddies out of the water, blah 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 blah. Yeah, well, you're not fishing with people that do this all the time, you know. Right. And in a competitive situation, you know, you learn real fast that you're not as good as you thought you were. Right. <laughs> That's basically how it came down. You know, it's like, yep. oh, okay, I got a lot to learn. And so <laughs> check the ego at the door. That's That would be a really good tip for new people yeah, getting into tournament um, fishing. Um, go into it with an open mind. Know that you're going to get crushed because <laughs> you're going right. to. You're very free. You're just going to. That's just how it's going to be. I mean, it's no different right. than any other sort of competitive arena, whether it's basketball, golf, whatever it might be, chess. It doesn't matter. Somebody who's been doing it competitively for 10 years is going to crush you. You just yeah. got into it. I mean. Yeah, I was just, I was just thinking about that. If you played – if you play basketball by yourself in your driveway for five years and then all of a sudden you're trying to go out for the high school basketball team, like right. you, you're going to get smoked if you've never played against yeah, somebody. You're going to get crushed. Like there's so <laughs> many other elements in the, in the competitive world that you can't, you know, it's almost yeah. even hard to quantify. Like they're just, yeah, you're going to get crushed. So just know that going into it and don't let that, don't get discouraged by that. Like no, like be prepared for it. And it's kind of like you said, when you're going into, if you're fishing as a co-angler and you're going to a body water where you have zero experience, chances of you doing well are probably not great. Unless you just, you know, you get lucky and you pick the one guy that's just, you know, that's his home water and he's, you know, the favorite to win it or whatever. And you just follow his lead. But chances are you're not going to do well. So you go into that event like, I'm going to school today. Like, this is my college right here. I got a fishing class that I'm going to attend yeah. and soak up as much as you can, you know? That's it, yep. And and to that, you know, it's a tough thing, like, to, to make that leap to be a co in these opens because, I mean, I would like to do that, but that's going to come out of my pocket. Like, I don't have the accolades fishing in these small local club tournaments. Like, <laughs> I'm not going to just, like – call up ranger bass boats like hey i own a ranger and i'm fishing these club events you know and i thought last night i'm gonna join the bas open tours but i can't afford it so what's <laughs> you know hand out like can you help me out they'd be like who are you <laughs> like you're not gonna you're not gonna that's a one-way conversation like you have nothing really to offer them you know like so you gotta just grind it out farm yeah you gotta farm like it you know you do, yep, and you gotta kind of set your priorities, and um, you, you know, for me, it took putting everything, all my resources, and, and and getting second jobs, and you know, 
working as much as possible and everything just to just to make it work out yeah that's a really good point Kent like um and for like me I'm a I'm an all outdoorsman like I do everything I hunt fish forage so like I have no off season I'm I'm constantly doing other things and I don't want to and to be brutally honest I don't want to be a specialist I like all the different things um and I like them all fairly equally but if if that's important to you, like if you're like, I really want to chase this dream, I really want to start fishing these opens and all, in different states and, and, and getting on that tour, you know, you're going to have to make some sacrifices. Like you might have to forgo goose hunting, you know, yeah. and I'll just throw that out because the season's right around the corner and I love it. So it's like, if I want to do this, I need to save all my money. I need to find out what it's going to take for me to fish this tour and then every possible cent of disposable income is going towards this. And that means I'm not going to be able to do A, B, and C. You know, and that's 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 a tough thing for a lot of people. Like you got to really really want it. Yep. And you know, but there's definitely a lot of value to it. Oh yeah, for sure. Like I, I, I personally couldn't do it any other way. There, like I, it takes all my focus and all my time, um, just just to do what I'm doing. So, yeah. which yeah, is, I, you know, why I'll I, probably always be a mediocre bass fisherman because <laughs> I just like goose hunting too much, and I like ice fishing, and I like you know, it's like ugh, I like it all. Yeah. Sucks. Yeah, I, I I never got into hunting at all, which is probably a, a bit of a blessing in disguise if I want to be, you know, a full time bass fisherman or whatever. But well, yeah, um, look look at the look at the names we aspire to be, right? The you know yeah. the Van Dams of this world, you know the Iconellis yeah. of this world. They ain't hunting. <laughs> They're right. you know, well, I mean, yeah. Seth Fighter hunted. He had, you know, yeah, when when he won, and he's like, "What are you gonna do next?" He had, like the best post victory speech of all time he's like well i want to go home i want to shoot some ducks and uh impregnate the wife I was like, yeah you <laughs> sir are a legend <laughs> yeah pretty much that was awesome yeah ah that was so great so what's the big plans like what what's what's your long-term plans and long-term goals Long-term plans are to keep fishing at the highest level I possibly can for as long as I possibly can. <laughs> so whatever that may, whatever yeah. that is, sure. Um, whether that's if I can keep doing the opens, uh, I would love to. If it's if I if I do get the opportunity to fish the elite series, um, you know that would be that that is my biggest dream for sure. Um, I know I've, I know I've got a lot of work to do to get there, but uh, that is uh, that's definitely um, one of my biggest goals for sure. Um, yeah, uh, so more immediate goals are to cash checks in the remaining uh, opens that I've got to fish. The remaining six, I want to cash a check in each one of those, which is hard to do. It's it only pays down to 40th out of 200 boats. Um, so to me, getting the top 40 in those events is like basically like put that in the win column for sure. Right. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I 
to make the elite series. It's uh, top four in either the uh, Eastern division, the central division or the combined. Um, so there's 12 spots to qualify for the elite series and uh, definitely trying to um, make my way towards that. I tell you, anybody that that does tournaments uh, probably has the the fantasy. I have to assume of one day being on that classic stage, and then yeah. to take it one step further, like finding yourself actually hoisting up that trophy. How many times, Kent, have you envisioned yourself doing that? All right, so I'm gonna probably. Uh, I don't know. I might surprise you with my answer on that, but I, my dreams, like I actually, I don't know. I feel weird saying this out loud. I mean, I shouldn't <laughs> I jinx myself, but I, I actually want to win angler of the year in the elite series more than I'd want to win the best master. Really? And, and why is that? Do you feel like that's, that's a harder to attain goal? I think it is. I think that is the ultimate like in my mind, that is the ultimate, um, you know, uh, award is because is you, okay, I'm battled gonna, it I'm out. Play, I'm gonna play uh, psychologist, amateur psychologist here a little bit <laughs> um, because it does. Let me know if I'm off base with this, but is it because during the classic, it's a you know one event that there's a little bit of chance and a little bit of luck involved and it's kind of there's somewhat of rolling the dice that randomly you could just have a career day but that doesn't necessarily mean you're the best angler you were the best angler that day yep but were you the best angler yeah that's that's exactly it yeah so so what you're you're looking at angler of the year like overall yeah I'm the dude. Right, exactly. Yeah, you've got 50 guys out there, and they're all swinging for the fence because that term is just one-off. Like, that doesn't matter. After first place, it really doesn't matter. Like, it, you might win a little bit more money, but nobody remembers who got second in right. uh, Master Classic. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Just to me, like, that Angler of the Year is the most coveted award that I that I aspire to get for sure. And um, yeah, I, I always put that higher. Like the guys that have won Angler of the Years, I think are uh, m- usually more impressive to me than the ones that just randomly win a classic. I think that's fair enough. I think that's pretty. Yeah. I think that's a pretty good answer, actually. Um, so we'll get into a little bit of controversy here. So mm-hmm. you're in a Viking. And, you know, Fabiano's there, and you're sponsored by Arsenal, and he runs the Classic Pass, which is more of the MLF format. Do you fish that at all? No, I don't. I don't. I started a league right when Major League Fishing first came out, way before the Bass Pro Tour, like right when the TV show first came out in like Mm -hmm. 2015 or 13 or something like that. I started a little night league that was major league fishing format. Cause I love the TV show. Um, I thought the format would be really fun to try. I liked it. Um, we had fun doing it. It was just, uh, 
small group of guys. I think we had like a dozen guys or something like that, six boats or something really tiny, but it was, it was fun to kind of play that game. Um, so I have fished it before, but not the champions tour or any kind of scale, you know, big scale level. Do you have a preference? I, I think I'm, I don't know if it's brand loyalty or what, but like the BASS is just ingrained in me. The five fish limit. The big just five. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I like the direction they've gone with the, the, the bigger, um, minimums. So like the two pound minimums and that, that sort of thing. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, it, it's it's hard it's hard to really compare like Justin Lucas's crazy day that he's that he had on Sturgeon Bay. Oh my god, dude! <laughs> to a twenty five pound limit, like I, I don't know, I don't even know, like yeah, I don't know. That it, was insane. Yeah, like it, it was, that was cool. That was fun to watch. But quite the drop off the second day, like yeah, you know. That's a good a reminder of that, you know, every day is different. But right. I get what you're saying, and I, and I agree. I, I think it's really hard to compare the two because they are so different. You know, one thing I really liked about the MLF when it, when it got on the scene was that it's a totally different strategy. You know, you have to, you have to pick and choose your battles. It's like, okay, do I want to go catch 10 fish? You know, do I want to catch 10 five-pounders, you know? For 50 or 51 pounders you know because catching 51 pounders may sound easy to some people but it's really not like no it's not that's a lot of hook sets right there. yeah you know like you got to get the bites for that and so you gotta you know you really got to pick where and how you fish like so you kind of got to judge the lake you're on and the one thing i'm a little disappointed in with how they do mlf now with the practice and they know where they're fishing is like i what i really liked about you know, when they first started, it was that they didn't know where they were fishing. And so it was like, who can break down the water? Who can figure this lake out the fastest? That, I, yeah. I, that got me going. Like, I was glued to the TV screen. Like, this, I, like, I was in. I was like, dude, MLF is a shit. Like, this is this stuff is awesome. I'm loving this. Yeah. And then yeah. kind of when they got away from that and they kind of did a little amalgamation of, you know, the other structures where they actually got to go out and practice, it kind of lost a little of that. It lost a little of that flair for me, you know? Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I think the made for TV show is a lot more compelling than, than the tour version of it. Yeah. Like I, I just, I loved it when they didn't have as many anglers, you know, like when they were here, when they were here in Minnesota and they're in Grand Rapids area, like that was awesome. Like yeah, that season and they're that time doing, was great. They're still doing all that. I don't know if you knew that, but they they still do all the cups. Okay, so that, those are called cup events, and they still have all that. But then the Bass Pro Tour came along, and that's sort of where everybody's focus has gone. Yeah, I mean, I have the I have the app on my phone, and I get the yeah. updates and I get the announcements. But unfortunately, I just you know where I'm at right now is I just don't have time to sit down and watch anything. Unfortunately. 
Yeah. But you know, I'll get I'll get the highlights. But (laughs) yeah, dude, there's so much going on. Like, you know, and now like BASS is doing more like live, you know, shots, and and you get to, you know, follow different anglers, which is super cool. You know, right? You get live feed on their boat, which is which is awesome. Uh, And I knew somebody was going to come out with that because I I had that idea. I'm like, poof. That would be awesome, and then all of a sudden you see it. Like any idea I've ever had. If I think of an idea, 100% it's right about to drop because somebody's <laughs> already had that idea for years. It's been in development. Like I I am not an innovator as much as I'd like to think I am. I'm always late to the party with every idea I've ever, ever had. <laughs> it's just That's just how it is. Yeah. <laughs> You have any aspirations of, uh, like, uh, I don't know, having your own TV show or, you know, designing baits, having a signature, you know, the the, the, the Kent Signature Series crankbait? Like, you know, is that, is that something that you envision and daydream about? Yeah, um, so... Not so much the TV show. Uh, I'm I'm more of a behind the scenes guy, I guess. But I do I do have aspirations to grow YouTube. Um, just because I like you, I, I love teaching other people how to, you know, whatever I know about bass fishing. I guess so. I think that's super cool. Um, I'd like to do more with that, but not necessarily like uh, like. Uh, jimmy houston or one of those tv shows sure. I, I, don't, I don't really see that in my future well, but like um, bill dance where you're running into trailer hitches and <laughs> yeah i'm probably it. more like him than <laughs> <anything> else. <laughs> all the crap that i broke uh, over the years yeah. that, sh- that is so funny though <laughs> um but yeah as far as bait design like i completely geek out on that stuff like yeah i'm not a huge tinker i guess but uh I find it fascinating for sure. So whenever I get uh, behind the scenes stuff with Arsenal, it, it, it's always enthralling and um, definitely uh, do have some aspirations there. So if you're going to have the, the Kent signature series bait, what is your go-to? Like what's your strong suit? Like what, what would be the style of bait that would have your name stamped on it? Probably have to be some type of, plastic because i'm a huge soft plastics guy and um i'm also kind of known for being a drop shot guy uh and a small mouth guy so it'd probably have to be a soft plastic small mouth bait that you could throw on a drop shot okay and so what kind of what would be your brainchild like what what do you think where do you think the drop shot game can improve? Like when you're out there and you're doing it and you're like, God, if I only had this thing, like, do you modify your baits at all to, to try? I mean, I know I'm asking for like some secrets here. I didn't, really, <laughs> I, I just caught myself as I'm asking. I'm like, yeah, like he's really going to tell me. Um, so if you have some generic way of answering this question. <laughs> um. I think there's more opportunity for um, heavier cover drop shot stuff. Okay. So I think a lot of people get freaked out about throwing a drop shot into heavy vegetation of any any kind. Um, So a lot of people 
at least this is my perception. Maybe I'm wrong, but I think a lot of people throw a drop shot on the outside of the weed line instead of throwing it up into a clump of weeds or up into the weeds more. And so I think there's some opportunities there for a more weedless version or something that works better in heavier cover. All right, Kent, I need you to pay attention. I'm, I'm giving you an idea right now that I had a year ago. Okay. All right. And I probably shouldn't do this. My friends are probably going to be like, you're such an idiot. But well, this I is going to drop soon. Right? I know. Yeah, right. It's it's going to come out. Yeah. If I cast went on this year, you probably would have <laughs> saw it. All. You, yeah. You probably, it was, you know, whatever. It's probably already out there. Where it is kind of, it is kind of already out there, but not really. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and give it to you. You can run with it if you like the idea. I have a name for it. Um, so, like you said, like throwing into cover. So I was fishing a club event, and I was finding fish that were under lily pads, right? And the, there was probably – there was actually probably like four or five feet of water under these pads, but there was weeds underneath the pads. And so, okay. like, the only – there was only like six to eight inches of water that didn't have – that wasn't choked out with weeds between the top of the milfoil or the coontail or whatever was under there and then the bottom of the lily pad. So it was really hard. You know, you'd pitch in there and your your jig would just fall into the the forest, never to be seen, you know, unless you yeah. drop that thing right on its head, yeah, they weren't going to eat it. And they weren't, for whatever reason, hitting frogs that day. So my brain started, after the fact, my brain started going, like, how could I effectively fish those things? You know, and it's even like, oh, weightless single or whatever. It's like, well, it's not getting through the cover. And if it did get through the cover, and it would like, they still would have to be in relative proximity to where yeah, you pitched to, yep. to 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 get a, to get a bite. So I was thinking, well, how could I get something in there where I could soak it? So it needed some sort of adjustable system, but basically, I would have modified a drop shot so that you know how deep it is in there. You have a, a heavy drop shot weight, and you're throwing in there. So it's kind of like the Tokyo rig a little bit. But the Tokyo rig, as you know, is just like how far off the bottom is how far it is off the bottom because that's how the Tokyo rig is made. So right. what you'd want is an adjustable system, kind of like a drop shot. You know, you could put that weight anywhere you want. So you'd have to get it so that you would set it, and you would probably still use like a regular, you know, pitch and hook, an offset hook, like a 5 out or something, and read, you know, uh, creature bait or like a beaver tail or missile bait or something, you know, uh, weedless. Yep. And then that would, you would set that so that when that weight hit the bottom, that your bait was in that little six inch yeah. layer of just open water. And you could put a little you know, rattle in there and you could literally throw it in there and just shake that thing. Cause as those bluegills running and you hear them bluegills snapping under the pads, you know, that's, that's gotta be getting the bass's attention. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the system, and I was gonna call it, and I never adjusted. I played with it in a fish tank a little bit, but I never really perfected it. So it's gonna take a little bit of R and D to figure out the best way to do it. But and also you need like a floating creature bait, so it doesn't just droop down. Like you want that thing to sit parallel, right? You want it to kind of mimic a bluegill right underneath the pads, and so like you would call it a slop shot. A slop shot. I love that's it. That's a fucking great name, right? Yeah, it's fantastic. All right. That's I'm giving that one to you. 
That just all, right. all I want is if that thing takes off and you make we don't even have to give you money. You just promote full scale, say, Hey, I this is where <laughs> I got I got this idea on a podcast. I'm giving it to you on a platter. I love it. Run with it. Figure it out. <laughs> like, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna try it. I'm gonna try and come up with something that works that way. Cause see, it, cause as I think in that, in that it's a very a specific it's a very specific like technique and time that you would need it but in that time it's like if i had a way to do that i feel like it would have been killer yeah because they were in there if i could just sit there and soak it like you're not even pitching to different spots like you're literally just popping it making that thing clack and getting the bass to come to you i think it's i think there's more applications for it than just the exact specific one you're describing too because like today I, i fished up shallow some too and I saw a lot of bluegills right up towards the surface. Right. And, and they're above the tops of the shallow weeds. Um, so if you could target that, I'd call it like, like foot you would, to two foot below the surface, you know. Like you'd um, almost need something like a bobber stop system mm-hmm. where you would have a sliding – I don't know, like a sleeve or something where the hook is attached to that. So that, like, as you change depth or as the weeds get higher or, you know, taller or shorter, that all you have to do is slide the hook where you need it instead of having to adjust the weight. Does that make sense? You know, and you, it wouldn't, does. And you wouldn't have to retie, like, yeah. a normal drop shot. Like, you could literally just slide it where you need it. So maybe you'd need a bobber stop above and below it so you could pin it where you need it. I guess that would probably work. It could, but then how do you set the hook? Right, and then you wouldn't be able to reel it up either. That, that would just work slide. either. Yeah, that would just slide. To cast there. it out. How would you do that? So that these these are the these are the <laughs> these are these are the engineering struggles we need. <laughs> right, we need to figure out. I guess if you had okay, well, how about this? What if you had like the thing that attaches to the hook? is buoyant so it's floating so then you set a you set a bobber stop just like you would if you were using a bobber so when you cast that thing out so your thing just free falls down to your weight right mm-hmm. so you can cast it just like a normal like you're not you know you don't have a big tag end because even like you know pitching a drop shot as you know has a little pendulum effect it, it doesn't yeah. cast as good as like casting a jig or whatever so if it the bait was able to fall all the way down to the thing but it was buoyant enough that when you threw it out there, it's going to float up until mm-hmm. it reaches that stopper. And then that's where, so then really all you need to do is adjust your top stopper. I guess that would be. Yep. Yeah. But then your line would slide through the hook until it got to the weight. So, so it'd be a really long time before you got leverage to set the hook. Yeah. Potentially. Yeah. yeah that's true. There's a way though. We just haven't thought of it yet. Right. We just got to figure it out. So maybe, you can sleep on that one. And maybe one of the listeners can comment on that. <laughs> Help us out. Right. There's someone's going to steal it. Now, neither one of us are going to get credit for this. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> yeah. That's right. When it comes out, see, now I have a record of this. This is my idea. Yeah. So if somebody comes out with this, I'm coming after you. Just, yeah, just so you know, unless you, all you got to do is give me credit. That's it. Come on the show, whatever. That's, that's all I'm asking for. I just, yeah. I just want, I just want to, I want to produce your credit. That's it. Slop shot. That's yeah. it. It's the slop shot, baby. Get into it. Like, it's a great well, name. 
Just Love thing, it. thing sells itself. Now, now you're gonna end up going. You're gonna win it. You're gonna win the big dance. You're gonna get AOI, and the the thing that tips you over the edge is gonna yep. be the slop shot. God, I hope that's how it pans out. I really hope that's how it pans out. <laughs> that would be fantastic. <laughs> Wouldn't it? That would be great. I'm like, that's mine right there. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> yeah, that's hell yeah. So in my like Facebook stalking and just doing a little bit of research for this interview, dude, you have... Like the best website name of all time. <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> it's it's www.kennycannycanny.com. <laughs> that's great. That's outstanding, dude. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> when did you Thanks. like like when you went to go get that? Were you like, "There's no way this is going to be available," or were you like, "I'm going to get this"? Like, how did? I... Where was that idea? So the idea stemmed from way back in high school. I played a little bit of basketball. I'm also six five four somewhere in there. Um, yeah, anyway. I say six four, but I'm forty seven. Chances are I've shrunk, but I'm gonna stick with <laughs> I'm gonna stick with what I put on my driver's license in ninety one. All right, you can judge me all you want. I'm six four. <laughs> so um, back when I was in high school, being six five was actually pretty tall. Uh, so I was, I played like center. Um, now you look at somebody that's six, five and that's like Dwayne Wade, who's a oh, point guard. Yeah. You're, t- <laughs> you're, you're, you're a shrimp. Yeah. Anyway. So I, so I didn't spend much time outside of the three point arc. And one day I, would, I caught fire and made a few three pointers and, my buddy Luke called me Kenny three times from that day forward and it caught on with all my friends and the nickname has kind of stuck with me Kenny three times. And so it was, uh, just, uh, I thought about Kenny three times for the URL and thought about how, well, are people going to spell three or are they going to use number three? And thought that would be too confusing. So, I went with Kenny, 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 and sure enough, it was available and easy to remember and easy to spell and all that. So that's kind of where it came from. Yeah, well, it's pretty cool. It's pretty catchy, easy one to remember. Yeah. Uh, and you got some really good, you know, I was, I was looking at your, your blogs, and you got some really good articles and stuff on there. Um, so I encourage everybody to go check them out. Uh, yeah, it'd be cool. It's a pretty good site. Uh, sure. Lays out, easy to navigate. That's what else you need, right? Yeah, that's right. My sister would be proud. She's in UX, so user yeah. experience. Yeah. Right on. <laughs> that's pretty sweet. So what do you want to do with your YouTube channel? What's your well, what is your YouTube channel? Um, so it's Kenny Met Fishing is the YouTube channel. Um and uh it I really want to do so like I'm a complete electronics geek. So I want to do more with electronics training and do some online or uh, some YouTube stuff around electronics and how to get the most out of your units. Cause we're spending just crazy amounts of money on electronics and I'll jump in the boat with somebody that's got $10,000 in electronics and they, I feel like people are really missing out on the capabilities 
of our graphs. And uh, so I love talking about it. Uh, I'm kind of techie by nature and by work and all that. So um, the tech side of fishing really kind of gets me going and uh, definitely want to share as much as I know about uh, the fishing electronics. So that's kind of the direction I'm hoping to head towards. But other than that, just sort of general tips and techniques, that kind of thing. Well, I just subscribed to you. Cool. So Appreciate it. Well, I get that. So you play ba- you played baseball. No wonder it's Kenny Mitt. Is that, yeah. is that what I'm seeing there? Yep. Yep. Played baseball. Is that most you of with the life. mullet? Uh, I'm sure it is. <laughs> that a boy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you're looking at exactly. Oh no, that's a different. I don't think that's you. Oh. Mitt Romney for Kenny Powers on Russia. No, that's definitely not you. Okay. Oh yeah, Kenny Powers. That's that's a different one. Man. Yeah, He's... that's 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 a different guy. But <laughs> yeah, again, I got uh, yeah. All right, well, yeah, I'm subscribed. So everybody, go subscribe. Kenny Mitt YouTube. Yeah, go show him some love. Cool, appreciate um, it. Yeah, whatever. That's why we're here, right? I mean, yeah. promote your stuff. Uh, so that, I don't think I have anything else for you. Anything you want to add to it? No, man. I, I appreciate you having me on and it's been fun talking with you. And anytime, anytime you got, you know, when that, when you, when you're getting ready to uh, release that, uh, slop shot, just let me know. We'll get back on the, we'll get back down the old podcast machine here and we'll, we'll, we'll pimp you out. For sure. Sounds good. If, I if, if. I struck any interest out of anything and somebody has a question, uh, feel free to reach out on social media. You can find me Kenny met on or Kenny met fishing on Instagram and Facebook. Just shoot me a DM and be happy to help you out in any way that I can. Right on dude. Well, I appreciate the, appreciate your time. This was a great conversation. I thoroughly enjoyed it. This was awesome. It sounds good, buddy. Let's go fishing sometime. <laughs> you don't want to, have to twist my arm. All right, man. <laughs> we'll talk to you. Bye. You'd think, with four of us spread out on a tiny island, that the task of tagging a whitetail would not be a big thing. But, as I've learned, no matter where I've been, whitetails can be damn tricky. Pursuing wild game in wild places. Tune in to Hunt Stand Presents Saturdays at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. Join Waypoint TV's Great Outdoors Month celebration presented by Battery Tender every Tuesday and Sunday in June from 7 to 11 p.m. Eastern. Enjoy fishing and hunting content that will inspire you to get outside, but also to take action in preserving the land and water that allows us to do what we love most. Tuesdays and Sundays in June starting at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.